I disagree with the notion that people pleasing is a bad thing. It's an old school mentality that you have to be a hard ass to see results. There's a connotation that people pleasing is a sign of passive behavior or symptoms of having no backbone, but isn't it really the ability to be empathetic? Maintaining a work-life balance keeps getting harder, but it doesn't have to. This is The Big Balance, a podcast for anyone struggling to stay ahead or even just keep up with work, life, and everything in between. Join us each week for practical advice you can actually apply to get a little sanity back in your day. So, Brian, how you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm in a dark place lately, so this is going to be an interesting episode for me. So if it comes off as bitter or angry or just downright, you know, not the most chipper, we now know why, right? <laughs> it's definitely going to come across as bitter, uh, and I will say I don't often malign my own company on this show, but today I'm actually going to. John gave me a really nice avenue to do it, and I'm going to take him up on it. Let's do it. You know what? If you're willing to put yourself out there, put your neck out there, by all means, let's do it. Yeah. And I will say we are recording Sunday night for the following Tuesday launch. So we're, we're kind of pulling this out last minute. And a large part of that for me is I was doing a bit of work this weekend. So it has me a little bit cantankerous. That's probably why. He's he's already ownery, right? <laughs> yeah, already. It's, it's not even Monday yet. It's 8.30 on a Sunday night and... I'm ready to go into to battle next week. Well, we're certainly letting folks into uh, our little world to let them know how quick of a turnaround this edit job is. So, yeah, I usually have like a week to do these. Yeah, <laughs> but hey, what can you do, right? Such is life. So, I, I think I can really, you know, sum up today's episode in one simple phrase that I, I always like to use. And Brian, I don't know how familiar you are with it, but you get more bees with honey. Have you heard this before? I did. Did you actually listen to the last episode I did with Andy on this? Uh, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> I I do I do listen to episodes. Yes. <laughs> he was he used the exact same phrase, and my my counterpoint to him was, I don't think you do because bees already have honey. Right? Anything else is new for the bee. They they're probably going to go for other goods and services. Which is, which is, I always think it's when when I heard that I was like, wow, that's totally, uh, just the antithesis of what that that saying really means. Because I think you're right, but at the same I time, think it irritated Andy. Yeah, no, it totally pissed him off. But at the same time, I, I from a scientific perspective, yeah, you're probably absolutely right. For the sake of adages or or old school sayings. I, I like it. I think it's a good phrase, and I use it probably way too often in my daily life. <laughs> so I am a self-proclaimed people pleaser, I would say. Um, I pretty much go out of my way to make sure if I'm working with someone, they at least have a pleasant relationship with me. So whether we get the job done the way that we wanted to get it done, that might be a whole separate conversation. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be really the reason why people didn't enjoy working on the project it, it, at the very least we can at least have a pretty you know 
amorous relationship is that the right word or is that too like you know no that is right yeah right right? no no uh what's 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 the word i'm looking for uh like like friendly or something you know what i mean like like building picturing a a john going to somebody's cube and and helping with the report while they're giving him a back rub or something well i mean if that's what gets the job done right no i got that got the job done right there (laughs) didn't we have a similar conversation about like it's like hey I need those reports or something like we, that, right? <laughs> we have a lot of these a little bit sexually charged innuendo conversations that normally get cut. I don't think we have the editing time this week to cut it, so it's going to be in there. And it's a little bit harassy, but that's totally going to be there. So my little wrong word choice aside, the idea being you build rapport with people. And I think at the end of the day, even if the project goes south, you don't need to be you know really at odds with other people you don't need to be ownery to use the word we used earlier you don't need to be just yeah you know, just not pleasant to work with and i think sometimes that's lost on people especially when projects start to get stressful or any type of work gets stressful so brian i'm sure we've all lashed out at folks before but do you have an example of maybe a time that you lashed out at somebody i, I definitely do and i'll preface really this entire episode by making an, an old episode call out here. Back on September 7th, looking at my list, uh, last year we did an episode called Your Coworkers Aren't Jerks. And I I want to say that a lot of that is really kind of about today's topic or a lot of what I think, John, you and I both are, are going to kind of stem from is that old episode. So I would say if anything we're talking about here resonates with you listening, go back and give that one a listen. It's kind of a, an oldie but goldie in a sense there. But yeah, I, I think let's go back to earlier times. I mean, earlier in human history, you know, a guy throws a rock real hard. Well, it's not going to stop a tiger from killing him, right? But he and all his, his buddies in the cave get together. They all pick up a rock and throw it at the tiger. Eventually the tiger goes down. They get dinner. Nobody gets eaten. Uh, among the the cave dwelling population, so there's kind of a long history of working together and trying to help each other, baked into who we are, right? It's it's part of our makeup. It's part of what makes us people. So for me, yeah, I, I think a lot of what I do is about working with others uh, and and trying to be agreeable, trying to uh, not necessarily be a people pleaser, but certainly going out of my way to help. And, and make things better for my fellow man or my at least my fellow coworker, right? No, Brian, I think that's a really good analogy. And I think there's that pack mentality. And part of being a member of the pack is not maligning yourself or, you know, sepping, separating yourself as an outlier. It's part of being in that pack. And the way you do that is to be friendly with people. So I think that's really kind of the crux of this entire conversation. It's been remarked on this pod before that your coworkers aren't jerks, and we all have roles to play. Well, I've taken on the role of people pleaser, and on today's episode, we'll deconstruct this notion a little bit and see what it actually means to be a people pleaser. So, like I said, I am a self-proclaimed people pleaser and I want to get out in front of any type of criticisms that that may you know entail by calling myself that but what I mean is I go out of my way to make sure that 
I'm pleasant to work with. I'm very transparent and upfront. And I think that's a big part of it too, is because I'm going to be just straight up with you about what's going to get done, what isn't going to get done and what I'm going to try to do. I'm not going to give you any BS in the sense to where, oh, I reached out to this person and I haven't heard back. Meanwhile, I've been sitting on it for weeks. Like that's, that's not going to get me anywhere. But if I do think that something's going to hold us up, I don't want you to think that I'm the reason why it's being held up. So I think part of being a good coworker and being a good people pleaser is being honest upfront. I think a lot of this also has to do with industry, right? When we're talking about is being a people pleaser a good thing or a bad thing, I think a lot of it is going to come down to, well, what does the person that's making that judgment call think? And I'll, I'll give a few examples. Let's talk about lawyers, right? The whole idea of a lawyer, and, and maybe I'm paraphrasing and I'm not somebody who's a lawyer, so maybe I'm calling this whole thing wrong, but it seems to me it's about arguing and zero-sum winning. Now, for that kind of a person, they might think of a people pleaser as somebody who is giving up or giving in, aka losing, and they might see that a bit worse. Now, when we look at an industry like, and I'm, I'm going to pull out a random one, let's say nursing, because again, I'm not a nurse, and this is maybe just the feeling I have in my head, but a nurse, their job is to help people. Their job is to make people's lives more bearable in a potentially unbearable situation of being in a hospital, being in pain, being sick. For a nurse, they might see people-pleasing as not just a good thing, but a virtue that makes somebody a really good nurse, makes somebody an expert in their field. So I have to wonder, for anybody out there listening that says, oh yeah, people-pleasing, great, it's a good thing, versus those listening who say, oh, this is terrible, I'm just going to tune out right now. I wonder what industries they all work in. I think that's kind of a relevant factor. I think that's a great point, and that's probably a good distinction to make because what you're describing in that first example, using specifically lawyers, I think a lot of people-pleasing might get kind of lumped up with concessions, meaning I'm willing to you know, compromise here or I'm willing to make concessions when we're in the middle of a negotiation or an argument or things like that. And I don't think that's really what I'm getting at when I'm saying people-pleasing. Um, I don't really know what I'm getting at when I see people pleasing because <laughs> for me, it means different things in different scenarios or different things in different situations. So you bringing up the industry example or the industry, uh, you know, kind of conundrum, I'm going to view it, I think is precisely the own internal strife that I have when I'm kind of debating specifically how I want to put a definition there. So I don't really have an answer as to what is people-pleasing other than just not being an a-hole. And I, and I can't stress that enough because I've worked with some folks who maybe it feels like they go out of their way to be an a-hole. And then I've also worked with folks who it seems like they go out of their way to be just so kind and so sweet. And Brian, I know you have strong feelings about being an a-hole in the workplace, right? I very much do, yes. And sometimes I am one. <laughs> Well, I think now's a great opportunity for us to let let the rage fill you up and go ahead and vent a little bit because I know you want to, man. Just just yeah. let it all out. Well, let me hit this in both directions, all right? I'm, I'm going to start by saying what it essentially means to be a consultant, right? Because we talked about lawyers, talked about nurses. You and me are consultants. We started yeah. this show almost as like a, a consultancy for, for the worker, for, for yeah. non-businesses. So let's and talk I think about. We try to define that, right? But I think now's yeah. a great opportunity for you to redefine that, right? 
Yeah. So to be a consultant means to have some, I would say, pretty narrow subject matter expertise and trying to take that kind of narrow expertise and address any client's problem anywhere in any circumstance. The situation we walk into is one that's years in the making. It's not just we walk into a situation that just started. It's likely the company we're working with, the employees are working with, have an issue that goes years back, right? If, if they didn't have an issue, they wouldn't hire an outside firm. So with that with that lens, here's a reason, John, I like what you're saying here. I like the idea of this episode. I kind of have to be agreeable. I kind of have to be a people pleaser because for me, I'm walking into a client's problem that I'm relying on both the people that work for my client as well as anybody that my client works with externally, be they suppliers or their own clients, to understand what's going on, to make sense of things, and to come to an agreement about how to solve whatever problem is occurring. So I have to have people on my side because I can't do it alone, right? No, and that's one of the biggest skills that you just can't have or you can't, I should say, you can't learn without just having years of experience working with different types of people. I think that's a big part of being a consultant is having that ability to be kind of that social chameleon in a sense. Right. Now, let me kind of counterpoint myself and and get into the I don't know how many episodes in a row I've done this. Definitely the Rage Quit episode, which was, was it last? No, it wasn't last week. It was the week before. I don't remember no, now. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was. Well, every every so many weeks is Brian Schitt's on Upper Management Week here on The Big Balance. And <laughs> this is me doing that here. So that entire conversation with clients and people and backstory and fitting in and having everybody work together, that's boots on the ground type stuff, right? Problem with management Management doesn't have boots on the ground. It's, it's kind of an armchair general kind of thing where, hey, it's really easy to point out problems when you don't have to be in the weeds solving issues and dealing with people all day. And that's where kind of my counterpoint comes in here. All right? And I don't often talk about my own company on this show. Uh, I'm going to today because something somewhat recently came up that it, it, it kind of gets me going, kind of, what's, what's a good phrase here? Gets my goat. Grinds my gears. I don't know. I'm going to go with grind. Gets my goat, grinds my gears, both topical for me. Yeah. I got got something that grinds my goat into just this shawarma of anger and frustration. How about that? There you go. That's a new one. Grinds my goat. You heard it first, folks. Yeah. So my issue is for all that I think being agreeable is a good thing. I think it's a great thing for us to internalize and live out. And if we all did that, hey, we're, we're all in a pretty good place. But what about the people who don't? That's what I'm worried about because, unfortunately, those are also the people who tend to make it into middle and upper management. Now, telling a story of my, my own company, we hired an individual a number of months ago. I think she was friends with one of the head honchos in my organization. And she is not agree- not agreeable based on the definition of agreeability that we're talking about here today. Uh, just as an example, she... Oh, I'm going to think about the best way to intro this. 
Um, I don't want to speak on behalf of a coworker. I'm not using any names. I don't even think we've we've ever really used even our full names on this show. Um, but I had a coworker. You, I who, think you have said my full name, so folks, you can I? dox me. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, but I have a coworker who, speaking on her behalf, was having a very rough month and hardest worker I know. And we get on a call with this new person that we hired into middle management, friend of a friend of a head honcho. And this leader, leader of people, starts just shouting at this woman. Now, as a little bit of backstory, again, I, I this is not uh, my business and I shouldn't necessarily be saying it out loud. This woman, unfortunately, did uh, have a, a personal health issue, um, a, a tragedy in her family just a month before. And she was in an emotionally uh, precarious place. And mid-shout, my coworker goes on a mute and chats me saying, I really hope this person doesn't ask me any more questions because I'm bawling my eyes out right now. Could not talk, I, couldn't catch breath. I can't even imagine being in that position to just being so emotional in the workplace. And I'm not saying this as a knock on the person who was emotional. I'm saying to just feel that. I, I guess defeated to just be that I, I I hope to never have that much of an emotional reaction to something at work because of somebody else treating me so poorly. I will I will say it's what it sounds like. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it's a combination of her personal issues and the accounts we're working on are high stress. And this person coming in as kind of a, a new leader was just adding fuel to the fire by being just a take-no-prisoners, non-agreeable person. And unfortunately, they did call on this woman to answer more uh, very pointed, very angry, very loud questions. And it was silent for a minute. She comes off a mute, and you just hear her trying to keep it together. And this is an internal call with maybe a dozen people, and... It was the it was awkward. It was sad. It was just the the stress was palpable in this lady's voice, trying to hold it together to answer these questions. And the entire time, all I'm thinking is, man, it takes such a coward to punch down like this, to yeah. punch down on a subordinate. And it's it's not even just that. It's that and I'm going to go back to that tried and true well that I always go to where your culture isn't written, your culture is lived. This person didn't just get hired into a leadership position. She got promoted very quickly being here. So not only is she acting this way, but she's being rewarded for it. I would be ashamed if I ever made somebody cry at work. She thinks she's doing a good job. Well, Brian, I, I, I don't know if this is right or not, but in the true spirit of this episode, at somewhere down the line, she probably is pleasing somebody, right? Like she is making somebody happy because of the way that they're treating other people. So whether that people pleasing is with their coworkers or with the higher ups, they're doing a good job of making great face with the bosses that be who are making these decisions. So um, yeah, at some point it is people pleasing. So they're, they're doing their job, whether we like it or not as the folks who are receiving it. 
I never thought about it that way, but you're you're probably 100% right. And God, is that depressing to think about it that way. Right? So I think after the break, why don't you and I kind of consider ways that we can maybe combat this type of behavior or at least find ways to live in that culture that's being created? So before the break, we just had a really uncomfortable, not so great situation happen over uh, a team meeting. I'm assuming this was a, a a virtual call. I won't say Zoom or Teams, but one of them, right? So yeah, and I'm so glad it wasn't video; it's just audio only, because I don't know right. how that would have gone. Right. So what do we do when somebody's really kind of kicking us when we're down, or maybe kicking one of our teammates when we're down? And I think we touched on this last episode about advocating for somebody else is a little bit easier than advocating for ourselves. So in the spirit of people pleasing, and I'm going to stop saying in the spirit of for the rest of this episode, but uh, in that same vein, what we can do is at least offer our support to some of those people who are being kicked and, you know, kind of not feeling so great. That's not a fix to the problem at all, but it's an effort to extend that olive branch to other people. And I don't think that's, necessarily the way we're going to fix anything but it's at least a way to create that sense of pack mentality and solidarity that we were talking about earlier brian yeah i'll tell you right now as a result of that call several of us not the the lady who was being shouted at but several of us who were listening um did go to this person's boss to say this was not okay that this happened so. And that's at least a positive result of this because you, you hope that in the most optimistic sense that that would result in some impactful change. At least maybe somebody had a conversation with this person to say that's not okay. I'm well, going to venture and take the pessimistic approach that it probably didn't, though, did it? Well, I'll, I'll say this. This this person did uh, a day later call this lady and apologize. Is that that's, right, though? What? Like, should it have gotten to that point? Right? Oh, God, like, no. No, it never should have gotten to that point. You shouldn't have to have anything to apologize for. If, if you were behaving in a way that was conducive to a, a team mentality, nothing to apologize right? for. So, so the same way you felt about the, oh, that's not the good story here. The The good story is, is that never happens in the first place, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> and even beyond that, let's say, hey, look, devil's advocate, it shouldn't have happened, but it did. And at least this person apologized. Well, this is a pattern now. This was one of her first forays into managing people at our organization, and already you're making people cry. And it had happened a number of other times since. So let's talk about what it means to apologize. If you let's just let's let's make this very simple, John. Every day, eight o'clock in the morning, I knock on your door. You answer it bleary eyed, and I smack you across the face, and I walk away. All right. And then at five o'clock in the afternoon, I give you a call and say, John, I'm sorry. I really shouldn't have come over, slapped you in the face in front of your fiance and Daisy the dog. But I do it the next day again. What is my apology worth? It's 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 a mockery of apologizing to begin with. 
the the uh, the self starter pick myself up by the bootstraps in me is like no I'm not gonna let you slap me again my man Don't try that again <laughs> see what happens now if you were a real people pleaser you'd say well at least you woke me up in the morning for the that nice slap and helped me get up is better than a cup of coffee <laughs> so check your people pleasing John that is more likely what I would say to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> If I know myself, right, I'm going to be like, well, you know what, it saves myself a cup of coffee, and I said I've been getting headaches lately because of the caffeine withdrawal, so thank you. I get a headache for a different reason. Yeah, right? It's like, hey, you know, you can't, (laughs) it's the old joke, right? It's like, oh, man, my head hurts, and then somebody punches it in the stomach, it's like, well, now your stomach hurts instead, right? (laughs) Right. So I posed the question before the break, how do we deal with some of these not so great people, and I know the way that I can create, uh, you know, solidarity or at least camaraderie with my coworkers when I'm on the receiving end, or I see that my coworkers on the receiving end. And I think that you and your coworkers, Brian, at least did something by reaching out to folks and saying this is not okay. But what do you do personally when you're on the receiving end of that? Me, all I can really think of. If I'm in that situation, as I'll say, you know, kind of just grin and bear it or keep my head down and say, won't happen again. But where do we draw that line and where does it become? All right. I can no longer be that people pleaser and at least at least need to stick up for myself. Right. And, yeah. and I don't know where that line is, because it sounds like based on the slap analogy that you gave me earlier, I know myself and I'd say thank you at the first couple of times, at least. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you this is something that I I have put thought behind, and that thought process started, I want to say, let's just call it a straight 10 years ago when I first had a a blow-up in an office. Um, And the situation was me trying to be a people-pleaser and the person I was working with kind of being that a-hole who wasn't interested in working together and wasn't interested in trying to be agreeable. And it resulted in a shouting match that went nowhere. So since that time, well, my first thought was, man, this guy's a jerk and it went nowhere. So my thought after that was, why did this happen the way it did? And how should I be behaving about this going forward? So it's, this is something that I do like to think about. And I think it's important to kind of have a strategy around because if you don't have a strategy, this, these things aren't planned, right? Uh, Eruptions, blowups, they happen almost randomly sometimes. So you, you kind of have to have yeah. your wits about you before you get into an emotionally volatile state, right? Yeah, no, you definitely need to at least have a playbook before you go in and start, you know, dropping bombs. <laughs> yeah. So for me, uh, I like to kind of take a step back and force the other person to take a step back as well. Uh, because a lot of times I think people that get away with kind of being jerks in the office, people who get away with that me mentality, get away with it because they're assuming nobody's going to call them out on it. So if somebody starts shouting at you about you know, what have you, like, let's just have a hypothetical situation. I almost feel like we should make you do other John, just like I was doing other Brian when we were doing role playing in the last episode. I'm not going to oh, make I don't you know that. what. <laughs> Oh, I don't know what other John's voice would be like. I don't have the yeah, cool, yeah, like, uh, yet, pitch yeah. shifter for for that, but I I can I can I can give it a, a shot. I don't know. I don't we know. should we should. I, plan I'm picturing like cool guy. Forward, like yeah. yeah, I'm picturing like cool guy like Punisher style. Like, well, I wasn't expecting you to walk into my office at this time. <laughs> 
I, I think I said to We're you, my, the it. entire inspiration for other Brian was Duffman. So I, I don't have really a strong character development there. Um, but the, 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 let's just kind of in our minds think about you're doing something, you do your best, it still ends up being bad. You, you mess up at work, something goes wrong, and you're being called out, dressed down for it. If that person doing the dressing down goes the jerk route, kind of goes the, the screaming and shouting and tantrum route, and again, another big phrase I, I kind of beat the crap out of, I don't like the idea of managing by tantrum. It's not a good management style. Um, I like to kind of divorce those two things. So, look, I'm recognizing that I did bad here, but let's put that aside for just a moment. The way you're talking to me, the way that you're carrying this conversation does not fly with me. And if we need to wait a minute, let things chill and come back, let's do that. I'm happy to have a conversation with you. I'm not having this conversation with you. And force them to recognize and answer for the way they're addressing you right in that moment. Don't let it be uh, kind of taken for granted that this is just how I talk to you. This is this is how I work. No, it's not. I'm, I'm fully admitting I have an issue with my work product, but that's not the issue I want to talk about right now. I think that's really good advice. And to kind of flip the script and maybe not flip the script, but to, to give another scenario that we can view, uh, working with somebody who isn't in your organization. So folks who are in sales or anything like that. I had a rep who was, they weren't too happy to find out that they did not win the bid. So they started latching out and dropping F-bombs and yelling at me, blah, blah, blah. Especially because like we've discussed, this is the role of the consultant. Sometimes we come in and, you know, we're always, we need to be agreeable, but sometimes we're the bad guy in our role too. This person was not happy to find out that they did not win the bid and started, you know, just cursing me up a storm and I could feel myself starting to have that reaction to where I'm getting angry too, or, you know, I, I'm, I'm you know, short on breath, whatever it is, you know, just the adrenaline levels rising. But I caught myself in the moment and said, listen, there's no reason you need to talk to me this way. This is not personal to which he responded. Well, it is personal because this is my work, blah, blah, blah. And I responded something along the lines of, I'm not saying that you aren't capable of doing the work. I'm saying that my organization has decided to go in a di different you know, direction. How is that reflective of who you are as a person? That's not personal. Business and personal, you need to separate it. If you're not doing a great job in this role or whatever, I'm not saying you're a bad person and you're responding as if I did. And I think your advice there, Brian, to separate that, to divorce the two about, you know, how we're talking in the moment and versus what it means versus I did a bad job, whatever. I had to remind him of that. So it goes both ways and it, it doesn't even need to be internal conversations. You can use this with folks outside of your organization. It's just good advice, even in personal relationships. I think Brian, I, I that's a tougher one. And I don't know if I want to go down that rabbit hole, but how you respond to your partner when they're not happier, when you're not happy, your tone, all of that, it's all important and you need to consider that. So always be mindful. Yeah. No, I, I would love to go into that that personal direction as well. I, <laughs> I have some unfortunate uh, experience there. Not in my current relationship. My, my current marriage is great. My wife is great. My kid's great. Um, but my, my past marriage, uh, you know, I was married before, ended in a divorce. Obviously, communication and agreeableness <laughs> probably 
played quite a, a role there. Um, but before we do that, uh, the, the one thing I do want to kind of tack on to that example you gave as well. So, yeah, I, I think the approach of let's let's divorce the anger from the issue is one way to do it. Another one really uh, as well that I think plays um, probably a good part of de-escalation is one saying, look, I, I understand where you're coming from. You know, it's, it's not business as personal in the sense that I got kids to feed to. No, I'm not discounting that. I understand. And if I were in your position, I would be upset too based on the outcome. But what I need you to know and what I need you to understand is what I've done to try to help you in as much as I can do so. And I, I, I don't like talking too much about, John, the specific type of consultancy that we work in, but you know, you, you kind of alluded to it. We're helping companies pick who they're going to work with from a supplier standpoint. There's winners and there's losers. So if I can turn to that person who lost that account, who we, you know, quote unquote, fired from their client, who's also our client, the big thing I want to point out is, look, let's talk about the things that we did here. You know, I've, I've tried having conversations with you. I've told you what the client's looking for. I've told you what their issues with your service levels are. From your position, person yelling at me, what could I have done to make this better for you? How could I have helped you more other than just giving you the business, right? That's I, I, when, I think when you put it that way, it kind of it, it divorces, again, the anger from the issue where objectively, if this person were to take a step back, they can see, look, John's the, the guy who's administrating this change, but he's not doing it despite me. Yeah, and and I guess to kind of give a little bit more context to this situation, you find out as the incumbent that you're losing the business. We also told you that we were going out to bid. So uh, using a little bit of deduction or common sense, you have to understand that, and, and I also want to mention that they went out to bid before I even got involved, so it wasn't even my decision to recommend that action, but... If you're in that position, use a little bit of any people skills that you have to realize if they're going out to bid, there might be a reason why and maybe get to the root of that why instead of just assuming it's all dollars and cents, because sometimes it isn't. And just to, to put some uh, definitions behind the language, when John says incumbent and going out to bid, what he's saying is there is a company that has been your client for a long time. They decide that they want to look at what their options are and go see what other suppliers are in the market that they could work with. So, John, to kind of summarize your point, companies don't do that if they're super happy with the service you provide. So maybe consider that when you're directing your hostility. Yes, yes, and and I appreciate the uh, the breakdown on that because I, I do get ahead of myself sometimes, especially when I get passionate. I assume everybody knows exactly what I'm talking about, so thank you for peeling that back. <laughs> Brian, you did mention, though, that you would be comfortable maybe kind of considering some of the personal implications about being agreeable. Do you mind kind of uh, taking us down that rabbit hole? Yeah, I would. I would love to in the sense that while it's good to be agreeable, I think there's also some landmines, some kind of murky dark water that you can wade into trying to be too agreeable uh, at at the job, but also personally as well. So like I said, yeah, draw those lines for yourself yeah. for sure. So like I said, I, I was married before and I'd like to think that my ex and I 
didn't get into a lot of fights, right? We we didn't have the you know the the passionate arguments where we're shouting and throwing things against the wall and things like that. Uh, never did that, and I thought that was a very good thing. I thought we were both agreeable, but really, at the end of the day, when you're not voicing things or you're trying to be a people pleaser and kind of capitulating or giving up on things that you want. Um, it, every time you do that, you're adding a little bit of a wall between you and your significant other. And the more that happens, the thicker that wall gets and the harder it gets to break down. So when it comes to being agreeable, it's, it's not just John, you know, the way you defined it earlier, it's not the way a lawyer looks at it. It's not just capitulation, but if you view it that way on any kind of a level, there's going to be a little bit of resentment every time you think you're being a people pleaser, you think you're being agreeable, but your significant other isn't. And it gets to be so thick that eventually it boils over. So yes, it's it's a hard thing to navigate on the job. It's even harder to navigate personally in a, in a personal relationship. And I think that's super important is understand boundaries. I think we, we touched on this before and, and if we're not the pod of, you know, echo chambers or, or self pontificating a little bit, um, setting boundaries and it's important for personal and professional relationships. And I think that's one area that I, I kind of struggle with it and understanding where those boundaries are that I need to draw for myself, because to your point, I, I'm optimistic or hopeful that somebody's going to have that same empathetic mindset that not everybody has, especially in the workplace. I don't want to say in my personal life as much because that's that's opening up a can of worms to say that you don't think your partner is as caring as you. I don't think that's the conversation that we're having right now. But the idea of boundary setting is super important, and I don't think I can stress that enough. And that's an example of me needing to take my own advice sometimes, most likely, for sure. You know, I just realized would be a really interesting topic. That we should do at some point. Let's um, yeah, let's it, we're, pod listeners. You're hearing this first. This is ideation. this is ideation of episodes. So the one thing I think is kind of interesting, um, you know, talking about uh, significant others and communication. So have you ever heard of love languages? I wasn't overly familiar until semi recently with the with the concept. I, so I just heard it recently, but a great story that I need to share real quick. Um, I think it's on Tinder. There's some type of like these like poll option things or something. Maybe it wasn't Tinder. Maybe it was bundled, but whatever. My buddy sent us uh, like a, a, I don't know, it was a video that he had made of somebody asking him, what's your love language? To which he responded, uh, I don't know what that means, but here's the beatbox part from Freak on a Leash by Korn and literally just <laughs> did the, the beatbox part. <laughs> it was amazing. I'll have to send it to you. <laughs> But yeah, no, the concept of love languages is how you express and accept love. Is that kind of it? Or is it more expressive? What what is it? Yeah, so I mean I'm I'm gonna butcher this because I'm I'm not the uh the the uh family therapist that I well I, I guess I don't even claim to be. But the idea of the love language is it's how you express your love for somebody else, right? So you know, John, you have this fiance, you love her, you wanna spend your life with her. How do you tell her those things? So there's there's five general love languages. One is uh, affirming words. So it's complimenting them. It's saying, I love you, and these are the reasons why. 
Um, some people aren't necessarily very verbal. They might go for acts of service. This is doing things for the people that you love. Um, physical touch. Obviously, it's uh, you know, if you you love somebody, you want to be with them, be part, uh, you know, be a part of their lives, and and touch and hug and kiss and all that great stuff. Uh, gift giving is one that I think is uh, pretty common, especially around certain holidays. And then finally, is spending quality time. So when you communicate your love outwards, you're doing so in one of those five ways. Now. That's simple enough to understand. The more complicated part is because this is how you operate, because you've internalized your own love language, what happens when your significant other has a different language, right? Maybe you are a quality time person and a physical touch person. Maybe your significant other is more of a a gifts and acts of service person. You could be trying to communicate your love for that person And as far as they know, you don't even care because you're not speaking their language, right? Yeah, I think physical touch would be a hard one to express with uh, coworkers and bosses. (laughs) So I would be, I would caution against that. But that's, but that's what I'm talking about. So that's what I think would be a really interesting episode. Is is there a set of languages on the job that kind of play into the same mentality, right? If you have a coworker, how do you express that you're an agreeable person, that you're a team player, right? Some people might want to have water cooler conversations. Some people might hate that. Some people might say, hey, let me let me spend some time working on some of your projects as I know you're, you're spending a lot of late nights here and I want to help you get home faster. Um, what are what are the love languages of the office? That's that's a topic I want to think about. I think that'd be fun. That's that's a really interesting concept, and I and I like that. And, and if we don't cut that, we're gonna be on the hook to do it. So, no, guess what? Uh, I'm the one responsible, folks, for editing this, and I'm leaving that in <laughs> because a, I think that's a great episode, um, and b, I can kind of wrap this up in a nice neat bow for us because I think what you're describing right there, Brian, is Maybe we have figured out my corporate office workplace love language. Maybe my uh, office love language is being agreeable or being somebody pleasant to work with. And what I mean is, is I like to share those personal details. I like to build rapport with folks. So maybe my my people pleasing, if you will, is my love language for the office. And Brian, maybe yours is getting results or or working extra hard or taking on that load for other people, you know, saying, hey, let me help you with that project. So definitely want to explore that. So tune in in a you know in in a future episode. I wish we could plan that out ahead. If we had more time with this, we would have. <laughs> <laughs> it's a last minute recording today, so this might be one of the tightest turnaround times that we've done. I know some folks record and upload like the same night. We're not no, one of those not, people. We are not those people. There's a lot of uh, thought that goes into some of this. So um, we hope that maybe the end result is worth it. But if not, you're going to find out. Because if this episode does well, then we know we can just ramble and ramble and ramble. And people still listen. Or we lose all of our subscribers in one fell swoop. That would be nice, too, because then we could at least, you know, pinpoint it to one specific episode, right? Yeah. (laughs) That'd be great. Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time.